Fit Town. This is Coach Andrew, and I'm joined today by Coach Josh and Coach Chris. And today we're going to be doing a little CrossFit Games recap podcast. Josh has been back for a little over a week now, I think, and he's been silent. He hasn't said a word about it. So <laughs> he finally agreed to talk to us about his games experience. And uh, and yeah, so we'll, we'll ask him a bunch of questions that I have. I'm sure Chris, Chris was there. Chris got to experience it. Chris was kind of like the coach, manager, assistant, yeah. jack of all trades. He wore a lot of hats there. and carried a lot of bags. <laughs> yeah, I did. If you guys look, Jacob Hebner posted a good video of games training as a coach. It's more just like running with <laughs> three like doubles. So and, yeah. It's like a caddy, three rounds of golf yeah, straight and yeah, do a exactly. bunch of random stuff. Yep. Nice. So <laughs> I guess broad, let's just start broad. Like what, what was your big takeaways from the experience or just like what comes to mind when you think about the experience as a whole Josh? Uh, it was such like an emotional dump I think it was just something I had looked forward to for so long and it's one of those things like you you tell yourself to do all these things but then you get there and like you find yourself not doing them uh, like in that heat of that moment but now, I was that event talking about like event specific stuff or no, outside the events I didn't mean outside the events yeah more like general um whether that be like relaxing and just enjoying being there, mm. it's like in times that's very easy, but there's other times where that's like, it feels impossible. Like you start to really get wrapped up in the competition uh, or like finding yourself becoming more competitive. Obviously we're competitive. We're all going there for the same purpose, but like I'm usually pretty good at like just relaxing and having fun. And that's when I'm also like at my competitive like competition best. And I could find myself getting roped into like, I need to do this. I need to do this. Basically, like changing strategy on the fly when I know that's not what I do as an athlete. Um, but overall, outside of that, like the, just the emotional like roller coaster that is that week, it was it was awesome. I mean, getting to put like so there's so much exercise, so many athletes of all calibers. I think one of the coolest things too is that it's such a global sport. You know, I mean, the people we probably spent the most time with in Athlete Village, like. Like, you have people from, we were with the Mayhem camp a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Like, we all kind of stuck together, and there's so many of them that that's easy <laughs> to do. And so we're hanging out with, like, uh, Uldis from Latvia. We're hanging out with Lazar from Serbia. We're hanging out with Kara from Australia. We're from, I mean, a lot of us are from the U.S. Sam is from Canada. It's just that Facundo is, like, speaks five languages. <laughs> like, the global reach that the sport has, I think, as someone who grew up playing sports, that was like one of the coolest attributes yeah that's really cool um now physically how did you feel coming off of it that was probably like the most maybe not the most surprising i, I felt really good <laughs> my body actually like even leaving the games the next day i, I would say far less beat up than a training week mm -hmm. than a training week between like semifinals and the games like when right. we're in so you're really season. heavy training weeks yeah i mean i i never felt like my body was I won't say fatigue, that's probably the wrong word, but like, it was not close to like failing me. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, Chris has seen me a, a lot in training and in competition. Maybe he had a different perspective, but I really didn't feel like my body was like, I wasn't like waking up and like struggling to walk or like was this crazy residual soreness, even after flights and, yeah. and car rides, I felt really good. Yeah, nice. I think one of the things that I, I definitely took away, at least from like the mayhem programming, and I think it's important to clarify, there's a very big difference in what we do in the gym and for class versus what Josh was doing competing mm -hmm. right, in regards to volume. But if you look at day one of the games for Josh, it was very much 
how your mayhem training was set up, right? And right. how that programming is designed specifically to make you um, peak in competition, right? So day one, event one, was about a 20-minute Metcon. Right. And then it went into a lift, essentially, right? Yep. Which is how your normal Which is exactly is, what we do. Yeah. <laughs> and then it went into another Metcon. Another Metcon. Right? So as far as that volume and that preparation, it was definitely there. And like you talked about, when you're in such a new environment, whether it's dropping into a new gym or going to the CrossFit games, right? There's so many other things that begin to influence how you're able to perform. And I think, you know, you, I, I thought personally, like, you handled it great. Um, in in my experience there. Yeah. But definitely, like, you're battling so many different things. You're around so many new people. Um, but the people that you're around are amazing. They're from so many different parts of the world, like you talked about. And uh, you're trying to accept everything, like, really experience it to the fullest, but at the same time, you're there with a the mission. You right. know, like, you put in so many hours and dedicated four to six hours of training on top of your full tra- uh, coaching schedule, and it's like you get there and... You, you want to be so focused on like the, the competing and the performance and everything, but you also want to enjoy it because like you've earned that. So, yeah. so it was hard. I think the hardest thing was to balance those two, but at the same time, it was, I mean, it was a great experience. Did it feel like a short week or a long week? Um, I think at times it was a little of both. Parts of it went really fast. Like when we got to the last day, I remember like, whoa, like we're like, like especially the last workout. The last day went so fast, and that's, I think, partially just interpretation of it being the end, but it also was like that it actually did go fast. Like, we mm. literally, like, worked out, had two-hour window, worked mm. out, had a two-hour window, finished the games. So it was such a, it was such a abrupt wrap-up to such mm. a long week. Um, I think it felt appropriate. I, I, know, <laughs> I, I know that's, like, a boring answer, but it was, like, a, it was a long enough week that I was, like, we are testing people's capacity to some degree, uh, but it was short enough that like, as long as you were recovering, you were able to really get after it still and, and perform. Yeah, I think to put in perspective, you're 35 years old, you're in the first right. age group division, anybody younger than you besides teenagers are gonna be in this open division. You're very close to as fit as the main division, yeah. but you did what 60% of the events. Yeah. So, so it almost we, felt like not enough, right? I, I definitely was like a little envious of some of the, not only the workouts, <laughs> but of the volume. I just really wanted to lift a 300 pound seat yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch them do it. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like, I, we, we actually joked about that while we were there together. I was like, part of me is like, man, I really wish we got to do 14 workouts. But then like, by the time I was on workout seven, I was like, part of me is okay with doing eight workouts. <laughs> like, the grass isn't always greener. But it, it is, to me, like as a coach, that is a pretty large discrepancy. Like 14 to eight is a huge difference. Yeah. I, I felt like maybe, a, like they could have, I feel like there could be a little more of a taper for age groups. So like if open does 14, my group does 12 or 11, the next group maybe does like, you know, 10 or 11. And then it's mm-hmm. like six or eight mm-hmm. for the rest. And that felt like, I think maybe, the, I don't know if that's too much logistically. I mean, before I criticize too much, I guess, and I don't know if this is a question you have, but like, I thought the games was run incredibly well. Mm-hmm. So I cannot have, I have no criticism about hitting time domains for like work and like we were on schedule like the whole week even when there was a rain delay and they just moved the workouts it was it was an incredible just undertaking of an event yeah i want to get into a little bit of your thoughts on the programming and 
what the events you liked and stuff like that and get into specifics. But I think it's important for to just lay out the process and to yeah. get people to understand how you got to where you were and how hard it is to get to where you yeah. got. Um, so at the games, there ended up being 10, 10 people in your age division, men, and one of them had to drop off first day because he got an injury right before. Um, but that was the top 10 in the world. You took fourth, you won the first event, uh, finished fourth overall. But can you lay out the process? How did you actually get there and qualify yeah, for the so games? Yeah, so for those that maybe know less about CrossFit, which is like a bubble we all live in, of course. <laughs> so it starts with the Open, which is a global online competition. Literally anyone in the world can sign up for the CrossFit Open. Um, and it takes place over the course of three weeks. You do one workout per week, and it's the same workout. They announce it on Thursday night, and then you have like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday to do that workout. Uh, you can do as many times as you want. Mm -hmm. From there, there's that's I think there's about 300,000 entrants in the CrossFit Open. Yeah. I think it's pretty yeah, close. Yeah. In my division, so you mentioned I'm a 35-year-old male, there was about 30,000. So 10% of the total entries are were my class. Um, and then you have people like me who would fall squarely in that category who are decently fit that just don't sign up at all. They don't sign up at all. Yeah. And I think that I think that's something that CrossFit is is battling with because over the course of the years bubble athletes more than anyone else are probably the people that leave and, and what i mean by that is if, if you know you're never going to go to the games you'll probably keep signing up for the open because it's yeah. just a good time it's fun it's a great community builder if you're pretty sure you got a shot to go to the games you're definitely signing up mm. but if you know that you're going to crush the open advance to the next phase which we'll talk about but you probably will never have it in the future to make it to the games those are the people I feel like that we lose. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, just to be clear, I, I'm not saying this because I had any chance to beat Josh. I'm just saying <laughs> I would add to the number of people that you had to beat to get yeah, there. Yeah. And that was me, honestly, for a few years. I didn't feel like I had the dedication and time to devote to trying to make the games. So I had pulled out of doing the Open because, like, I, I knew I wasn't going to advance. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't want to be discouraged. I didn't want to get roped in late in the year to thinking I had a <laughs> shot when I did not do the work. Yeah. Mm. So after the Open, you got 300,000 people, or my division, 30,000 people. They take the top 10% of those people in each age group, and we advance to what's which is called quarterfinals. That's, again, an online qualifier. So for me, uh, that was still 3,000 men, and then in, you know every class has its own number breakdown. Uh, and quarterfinals, we did six workouts over three days so it's quite a bit different experience you go from one workout a week for three weeks to two workouts a day for three days yeah and that's where you really start to see some separation usually like the skill required for the workouts the the weight of the barbell gets goes up a little bit it is a little less inclusive for everyone and that's where people start to separate uh after that there are two journeys if you're the open age division you and you finish in the top uh 10 percent no, it's less than that. It's top 100, 120 individuals. Yeah, people in, just in the top in, 120 male America, or female. Or North America. Yeah. yeah, you advance to a on-location semifinal, mm -hmm. um, which has replaced regionals, if you guys have ever heard that term. In the age group, they took our top 10%. So for us, that, or, no, I'm sorry, they took our top 1%, which was 30. Mm -hmm. 30 of us advanced to our online semifinals. Mm -hmm. And the reason that, that in-person uh, version was even on the table for you is because you're so young that your numbers are so close to the actual open individual division. Yeah, and so if you are like me and you are in that, 
you know, the baby masters division, <laughs> basically. Um, it's not uncommon that people will qualify for semifinals in both divisions. So I, I qualified. I could have gone to semifinals as an open athlete, or I could do my age group qualifier semifinals mm-hmm. online. But that's where you have to make a choice and decide which one you want to commit to. Um, I checked my ego and took the <laughs> master's class for sure. So if you go open, you go to an on-site semifinal competition, and there's a different uh, number of athletes that are allowed to go to the games from each of those based on like population and uh, density of that area. But if you're in the North America one, there's like four different ones you can qualify mm-hmm. for, I think. And they take like the top five men and top five women. Yeah. So, and then in my division, after those top 30, they take 10 of us from semifinals mm-hmm. to go to the games. So like a quick recap, if you're in the open division, you're going from roughly 200,000 people down to 20,000 people down to 120, 180, something like that. For a live that. event. Mm-hmm. For a live event. And then five. there's 40, well, yeah, five from each event or 40 total that go to the games. Yeah. 40 globally. And then in my division, you're going from 30,000 to 3,000 to 30 to 10 of us. Yeah. And this is basically from, like, February um, is the open, and then it's, like, March, April-ish is quarters, May, June is semifinals, and then August is the games. Yeah, and those, I mean, those steps along the way are just as stressful, if not more stressful, than the games themselves, especially that last one, I think semifinals is the most stressful. I really do, because you're... There's definitely a little bit. I mean, if you're Justin Medeiros and Tia Claire Toomey, if you're going to win the CrossFit Games, yeah. maybe that's a little different. Maybe it's a little less stressful because you're so fit and the games is really your stress. But I think for the vast majority of athletes, making the games is a large weight off of your shoulders. Because mm-hmm. yeah. there's really fit people who don't make it to the games or, or have gone three years in a row and don't make it. Mm-hmm. And that happened this year quite a bit. There were, there were a lot of elite full-time largely endorsed athletes that did not make it to the games this year yeah all right so fast forward <laughs> to the actual games first event it's uh it's pretty, a home pretty run nice dude. workout they pretty much from the pitcher mound <laughs> underhanded me a ball right down the middle and i blind swung running rope climbs and uh dumbbell push press right yep shoulder, shoulder to overhead shoulder overhead okay yeah uh, walk us through that event. What's going through your head in that event? So they announced the event while like we're the, we don't know any of the workouts until the day before we start the competition. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everyone knows that. So mm-hmm. competition for us started Thursday. We got the event Wednesday at like 3 p.m. Yeah. Uh, and no one even told us. Like someone in the area happened to look at their phones and they were like, it just spread like wildfire. Like, hey, the workouts are out. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. every, so everyone is like yeah. reaching for their phones. Uh, so that event gets announced and my immediate reaction is like, I'm going to win. <laughs> then I immediately was like, wait a minute, I don't really know that much about all these athletes. Maybe just, maybe somebody else will be good at this and it will be more of a race than I think. But Chris and I sit down and we talk about time domains. That's like the first thing we do is like, look at the movements, look at how long we think the workout will take. Mm -hmm. And then like, how long do we think each piece of the workout will take? And so I'm like moving pretty quickly through this, but we very much came to the conclusion it's a running workout. You're spending 70% of that workout on the runs. Yeah. Which for me is literally best case scenario yeah um at what point once you were in the event did you knew it was like all right done deal i would say honestly right after the first run the first run i was kind of nervous 
We, yeah, Chris you had two and I guys that down. were right there. Yeah, we sat down and we were like, okay, I think we talked to Jake as well, who's the uh, head programmer for Mayhem. And Chris and Jake and I kind of formulated a plan. And we were like, we know this is going to be great for me. But we, like, my curiousness was like, how fast do I, like, should I really be running? And we kind of agreed that just under my 5K pace, PR would be a pretty safe, like a 90, 85, 90% of your 5K pace is a good mm-hmm. spot. So for me, we're looking at like a six minute mile for that opening uh, 1400 meter. So pretty much a mile run, mm-hmm. which is moving, especially because there's terrain and uphill. <laughs> uphill downhill, yeah. So we, we all take off out of the gun and there's like three of us that are, I'm not even leading the run. Yeah. I don't think at any point in the first lap that I lead the run. If I did, it was like, if I did, it was like, yeah, yeah, a few steps training went out. out. Um, And I felt calm, but I felt like we're we're running pretty fast. I'm curious if everyone's going to keep running this fast. And immediately I started rope climbing and no one else could keep pace with my rope climbs. And that was like, for me, like the immediate reaction, I was like, they ran too fast. Yeah. Because there's no way you make it to the games and you're like, you're a bad rope climber. You, Mm -hmm. You have to be at least decent. And they were, I could see out of the corner of my eye, they would do a rep and like they were waiting to get back on the rope. And I did yeah. not feel like I needed to do that. And so we had talked prior to the workout. I was like, the only thing I'm even, I wouldn't even say nervous, but like how many sets will I need to do, to do the shoulder to overhead? 70 is a pretty heavy dumbbell. I'm not a huge, I'm by far the smallest athlete on the field. Mm-hmm. And I quickly found out like I did not struggle with the shoulder to overhead mm-hmm. at all, which was the only place I think anyone had a shot to close that gap. So when I left for that second run, I was already, I was probably 15 seconds, I would say, at least ahead of second place. Yeah. And it just continued to separate, mm-hmm. which honestly made the last run horrible. Like knowing that no one was even close to me, <laughs> made it hard to like want to run the 800 and mm-hmm. i was like i want to just walk this is so <laughs> silly but i i remember distinctly like think it's hot there's literally nobody in sight i could i could totally walk mm-hmm. and all i could do is look up and see the drone above me and i know that that's like live footage and i'm like dude you're gonna be the guy that walks because <laughs> you're so far ahead of people that's that's disrespectful and i just don't want to ever look that lazy so i just finished the workout you know with like a good effort and yeah that felt that was an awesome way, although a little anticlimactic, but a great way to start the week for sure. Yeah, it still looked like you got a pretty good, uh, just like rush of excitement and adrenaline coming down yeah, that final sprint. It definitely you know? like hits you. Like I'm winning an event at the CrossFit Games, which it's all hard enough to believe that you're at the CrossFit Games. And that's just winning an event at the Games never even crossed my mind as an option. Yeah, you said something that I think is really interesting. I think it's useful for people who are just doing workouts in here. You said you started to talk about your assessment process. You and Chris of like looking at a workout and like the two things that jumped out to me is you you mentioned time domain, like roughly how much is this going to take? We don't have to nail it down. We're not trying right. to to set a very specific expectation, but we need to know roughly the time domain cuz that that details the pace that's yeah. going to um, follow for that and then also what is the majority of that time domain going to be spent on it sounds like that was a big assessment you guys talk about as these workouts are coming out I, I don't remember if they all came out at that same moment yeah, they did they did okay the so first, as your six came out yeah. okay so as you're assessing workouts how did you guys um, get a handle on that get an approach what did that look like I would say they're, they're probably very different 
I'm guessing what Chris did behind the scenes is very <laughs> different than what I did. Uh, yeah. So I'll we can like kind of answer yeah. separately. Yeah. For me, it was very much like uh, it was event by event with a loose awareness of day by day. So what I mean by that is like when the event when the first day it was three workouts dropped, I tuned out the next day's workouts. I didn't mm -hmm. care about them at all. Like I've been working out long enough, and I. I know my body and it and wouldn't, change, it wouldn't change anything about how you approach no. the first day. So I don't need to worry about it or get excited about it. There's just no reason to let emotion come into play at all with the following day. So it's like a lot of focus on this immediate workout. And maybe we have a discussion or two, like I start formulating loose ideas of like, where do I want to invest a little more time? Cause we knew right away that event one, like there didn't need to be a ton of strategy. I'm yeah. a great runner mm -hmm. and I knew what was going to happen. Um, but we still don't skip any steps. So yeah. I, I go event by event with a loose day by day approach to it. And otherwise I try not to look ahead at all. So yeah. And what, one of the fun things about working with Josh and Wub, <laughs> when he first joined the gym and I had just started coaching here full time was like, I have a very different approach to fitness. Um, Josh is just such a great athlete with such an incredible capacity, but you rely heavily on that as well. Um, me, on the other side, I'm very nerdy with numbers. I'm very analytical. So I know Josh's 2K pace. I know his 5K pace. I know how fast he can pull 20 calories on the rower versus 30 versus 40. Um, so when we're looking at those different things and analyzing a workout, I keep those things in mind. So when we were talking about the first workout, for example, like Josh said, we had all come to a conclusion that Josh would run just below his 5k PR pace. So we settled on like a 555 mile time. Now is your watch telling you that or no? You just well, it was did. supposed to, but I didn't charge the battery. So I got like, uh, I literally went out and touched the gumdrop with my name on it and my phone or my watch beat low battery. Yeah. <laughs> it did make it through the event, but uh, that was. Yeah. But you, you were able to use that as a reference. So like yeah. we, we discussed that and we agreed. It was like, we're going to try to stay right around that 555. And if somebody else can hang with you at that time, you'll beat them on the road climbs because Josh is an incredible road climber and you'll pace the dumbbells because that relative time compared to the run is so small. Um, and he did awesome. He did that. But if you look at like event two, which was very specific five minute max bike calories into max pull up into max front squat within a limited time domain, Josh probably approached that one differently than I did. So what I did was I essentially took, okay, five minute time domain. If you bike at 1200 calories an hour, how many calories is that going to get you versus 1500 calories an hour within that five minutes? And then how much could that fatigue potentially take away right. from your front squat? Because so basically that, a, yeah. a, in that, just to get clear, the, a pound was the equivalent of a calorie, yes. Yes. correct? Yes. It so was all equal. And that was, this is where like, this is like the part of me that does nerd out, loves working with Chris because I'm so intuitive of an athlete and he's mm -hmm. such the opposite, but there are, I would say more than 50% of the time we arrive at the same answer, yeah. Right. but I'm pretty much guessing like, <laughs> and he's like, this is how we actually got our answer. Uh, <laughs> but like yeah. that, that was a workout where I had a gut feeling of what I should be getting on the bike, but Chris showed me what he was kind of leading into there was like, you can ride harder, which is going to make it notably more fatigue on your body but you're only going to get like five to ten more calories yeah. mm -hmm. do you think that that's worth it and we both agreed it was not worth it mm -hmm. I, mean, for, I can make up a five pound difference in the squat or or i could potentially like bike harder for five calories but lose 15 pounds in the front squat with our concern yeah exactly yeah 
Nice. So that's kind of how we look at programming and bounce different things. But yeah, like Josh said, we usually arrive at the same conclusion, but the way that we've approached it is different, which I think is nice because he, he knows his body better than anybody else will. And I know, I like to think I know the numbers very, very well. So if he can take the numbers that I know are very, I mean, they're very accurate. I mean, the computer, any of the C2 machines, the Concept2 machines, whether it's the bike, the rower, the ski, it's a computer that you're working against, yeah. right? So if Josh can know those numbers and then take, hey, I know, I understand my body's capacity for those numbers, then we can apply it to be as successful as we, as possible, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Now, Chris, I doubt Josh did this. Did you ever look at um, what other age groups were doing to just inform time domains? Or I know we the did. swim event was yeah. actually the same. Was that the only one that was the same? The, yes. swim, the swim was the same for men, women, all age groups, adaptive, everything. Yeah. What was really nice was being part of the Mayhem camp there. Um, typically you had the 45, uh, the 40 or 40, Four, yep. right? Forty yeah. or forty-four yep. were just before, if not two before, and then the, the sixteen, seventeen teens. They kind of flip flop. So being part of the mayhem camp was great because we had a few, like Jason Grubb would come off the field and Vlad and, and Vlad, and so anybody who was part of that, we would come off and we would bounce ideas, say like, yeah. "Hey, how are the judges treating this standard versus not?" Um, and Jason has won that division three years in a row. Yeah. Yeah, I saw him on YouTube. Actually, he's got he's got some cool videos on YouTube yeah. talking about his journey and, and then stuff. Ty, what is and then and then Ty the Watkins, right? Jenkins, Jenkins, awesome kid. Won uh, the game one as well, year, and then again this year. Yeah, wow. so we were able to gather a lot of data in regards to like, hey, are you so the bike the bike event yeah. for example? So the bike pull up, uh, front squat. He was like, hey, we know you do a lot of volume. You lift under fatigue because you guys in Mayhem never left fresh you always do a metcon first so we knew that your body would be able to recover um so understanding some of those things from them and having that community to feed off of while there was was very helpful and we were getting confirmation we were like you know how many calories did you on the bike and they'd be like they were like within three of what we were talking about mm -hmm. yeah. doing yeah Cool. Was there any last minute adjustments to strategy based off information or anything like that that you can think of? Um, I would say Josh is very good at knowing his body so that if he needs to adapt on the fly versus the plan yeah, that we we've kind of agreed to. Yeah, we definitely confirmed like, data on that workout specifically because yeah. some of the workouts we definitely put more thought and strategy into. Like the first one we just... We knew what was gonna happen. We just wanted to be as smart as possible. Mm -hmm. The second one really required, I felt like a little more planning and Chris showed me that with like my return on investment in the bike. Like it was not worth a heavy investment. Yeah. Um, the strongman workout, maybe. I had, I had like kind of guessed it was, initially I looked at it and I thought maybe it was a little more evenly distributed between the wall balls and the strongman. Mm. I watched a couple of people do it and I very quickly realized the wall balls were not part of the workout. It's a sled event. It's yeah. and, and then then even further, yes, people were coming off. People were literally just walking out the tunnel, like not even mayhem people, just all the athletes and we're corralled and they're like, it's a sled event, it's just a sled, it's just a sled, that's all it is. And it's like one person after another and I'm like, do you guys, I remember saying in the tunnel like That joking, sounds like 6 a.m. leaving the building. Guys, yeah. <laughs> do you guys think the sled was hard or no? Yeah. It's like, it became like a joke. And that, I don't know that it dramatically, it definitely did. It changed a little bit my mental approach. Uh, yeah. It told me like, one, to stay very calm in the wall balls. Like that's an area I like to go a little darker, yeah. but there was like no payoff for that. Mm, right. And it let me know that I could be, it let me know that everything else in the strong carry should be unbroken. 
Like yeah. nothing else I was going to struggle with. I watched the teenagers. The teens struggled a little with a 200-pound sandbag, um, but I knew that I would not. And I can farmers carry fine. So, th- mm-hmm. it, like, I knew going in, this the sled is where I'm going to win or lose the workout. But yeah. also because of that, I should be I should be up towards the front because I'm good at wall balls and I'm good at carries. So yeah. that that like just kind of narrowed, I guess, my scope of uh, approach. Cool. Let's. We talked about the highlight of the weekend, or at least. Uh, event win-wise and, and yeah. placing-wise, where did you feel like you could have done better? You know, either from a planning, execution. Execution, the, definitely the most bitter is the uh, skill piece, and that didn't get uh, televised. No one yeah. see that. So that workout was uh, one pegboard into double fifty double unders, twenty five handstand push-ups, strict handstand Sweet. push-ups, fifty double unders, twenty five pistols. 50 double unders, 25 GHDs, 50 double unders, a handstand walk over an obstacle. Uh, so like up a ramp, down a set of stairs, across the finish line. Mm-hmm. I saw that and I was like, I like gymnastic skill. I, w- I wished it were a little longer, honestly. Like the time domain was not a wheelhouse for me, but I realized in the workout pretty quickly, it was so skill demanding. It didn't matter. I could still beat almost everybody in that workout. And falling on the when I came down the stairs, so I went up the ramp, I came down the stairs. When I re-entered the floor, my elbow buckled. Just the, I don't know if it was just the change in like, from the squishy pad to the hard floor that mm. just kind of jolted me. And falling on that handstand took me from second, a very comfortable second place. And you were, that was the last thing in the event. So literally you yes. finished that, you're done. And, and, we, and, and Julian and I were way ahead of the rest of the field. It, like he was ahead of me, we were close, but mm. he was gonna beat me in it. Um, and people were probably, I mean, it was probably 10 seconds behind us in a five minute workout. We were way out in front. Mm-hmm. And when I fell, it cost me second to, I went to eighth place. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so that's like kind of haunted me that just that single finish puts me on the podium. Just literally one execution mistake. And like, I'm good upside down. That just didn't, that was tough to swallow um, from a skill perspective. Yeah. The only other one I think, um, like more execution from maybe a planning and trust component was the swim event. And I don't know if our age group timing got televised or not, but it was the same. So yeah, if, anyone, to see that. if you guys watched it, it was the same. And pretty much in my age group, every single person made it to the bonus calorie round. Mm-hmm. We, we, I think both misjudged that. We thought a couple people would fall off yeah. and pretty quickly learned like everyone was mm-hmm. gonna make it to the skier. I underestimated my swimming ability or, or I, either I was a better swimmer than I thought, or the swimming was more irrelevant than it needed to be, or a combination of those two. Mm-hmm. And I should have skied harder in the two max rounds. Like looking back, I, I feel like I missed a little bit of an opportunity there. It was not nearly as significant as second to eighth. It was probably like six to fifth or something. Mm-hmm. It was more minuscule. Yeah. But, but, but that's I think, what I'm hearing from you is it's not so much about the placing, it's finishing a workout and going, I had a little bit more left in me. Yeah, that's the, that is like the worst feeling for me. So a great example, honestly, the swim event, I was really proud of my finish. I swam really well, I didn't drown, I made it to the bonus calorie round and finished the workout. And like, I, I think Chris would vouch me on this, like when I came out of the water, I was not bummed about my placing. Mm-hmm. I was really bummed about my placing in the gymnastics workout. That, mm-hmm. And it's, it's just crazy, like you hear so many people say this, but there's so many events. 
little mistakes that seem not important over the course of the weekend are vastly important. Yeah. Like I stopped pushing the sled too early on the strongman workout and that cost me one place. Mm -hmm. And then I thought I loaded 405 on my front squat and I loaded it myself and it was 395. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, that wasn't a big deal. We were separated and Chris was like, the guy that beat you beat you by three pounds. <laughs> so it did, co it did cost me another place. Yeah. So it's like over the course of the weekend, those two mistakes and then my fall on the gymnastics is 80 points mm -hmm. and it's yeah. like, Oh, I was the second fittest person of the games that fast. Like that's how quick the, yeah. that's how fast that scope changes. Um, and I think that just comes with a little bit of attention to detail and probably experience. You know, half of our field were X Games athletes, mm -hmm. then half of us weren't. Mm -hmm. But to no surprise, the games athletes all finished up towards the top. Yeah, better execution. Yeah. And, I, and I think that comes back to one of your original questions about like, how did your body feel? Right? And you, his body was great. His body was very capable. Um, but when you go through something like that, and I, I can share it because immediately when he comes off the floor, I'm kind of the first person he sees, you, no matter who you're, whether you're in a class or you're at the games, right? Obviously the games, there's so much more importance on every single event, right? So if you mess up, you can go from second place to eighth place and then you've lost 70 points on the field. And when there are only 10 guys, that's much more dramatic. But beyond just those points or that physical, you know, how you've, how you've played the game in that event, Right? There's a whole lot of an emotional component there. You, you train all year round, you only have eight events to demonstrate your fitness. Like when you come off and you know that you've made a mistake, it's hard to be like, okay, I accept that. I'm going to get better. I need to switch my mindset. I'm on to the next thing. And that's really draining you know, emotionally to commit yourself to the next thing. Yeah. And I think just like Josh was saying, you know, that comes with experience. And, you know, we talked about some of those things and we were like, hey, on to the next one. Um, you know, you have this amount of, like I said. You have to you move on so fast. Yeah, you have to yeah. move on so fast. Like, hey, you have until we get back to the athlete area yeah. and then we're warming up for the next one. You can be as <laughs> be sour as you want on the walk. Yeah, 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 right? But like, you have to stay focused. Yeah. And, and that's the mental side of, you know, of fitness that, you know, it's hard to really capture in, in class all the time, but you have to stay focused, right? There's always a longer term goal. Um, and whether that's the games, like you have to get onto the next event, or if it's in class, like, hey, I'm coming back the next time, I'm gonna be better. Um, and having that determination is, is um, I mean, Josh did amazing. You know, we went through ups and downs, and I thought Josh's yeah. ability to handle that, although it was extremely taxing emotionally, I mean, he did amazing. It was, it was great to see. I think too, one of the hardest things for me this year is it just, it felt like if I compartmentalize all the events into like either a positive emotion, a neutral emotion or a negative emotion, there were, there were far more negative than positive and most of them were neutral. Mm -hmm. So like event one was like awesome. That it was an event win, but the performance that I put forth did not emotionally charge me up that much. I came out and did exact, like I didn't, I did not supersede my expectations. Mm. I did what I thought I would do. I would show up and win a run of that. That's what I, that's what I expected myself to do, mm. which is good, but it's still errors on the side of neutral. Like to me, that's just getting the job done. The strength event was a huge win, of, like a, a win for me. I was notably smaller than everybody else. I was going into the strength mm -hmm. event too, thinking like I'm probably seventh or eighth out of nine people at best. And I think we took fourth and then should have taken third. Yeah. And I was like, whoa dude that's that was where i really hit a high 
but then I immediately countered that with something that I should have done really well in, and I totally blew it. Um, and then you have to pick yourself up like quickly and go like right back to work. So that that was like Chris said, the roller coaster and the ebb and flow is is challenging for sure. Did you have a favorite and least favorite event? Favorite event was definitely carrying Karen, the wall ball strongman workout. Yeah, even One, though the sled was even so though there was a mistake. Move. Yeah, <laughs> even though there was a mistake. I still have way more positive emotion with that. Um, I love those movements. I love strongman, even though I'm not amazing at them. I just, I don't know, I like grunt work a lot. And I love wall balls, it's a good movement for me. It was outside, which I really loved. And... I mean, that workout was crazy to watch because you, I mean, you were towards maybe the last third of your second sled. You'd go there and back in separate parts of the workout. And to see you push that sled like maybe six or seven feet and then take take a short break and then try to go again and then just not even have the juice to move it at times. Um, It's crazy because I know how fit you are. And that just says it speaks to how hard and it wasn't like you were the anomaly. I mean, you were were in the higher end (laughs) of the field. I was in second with the sled. Yeah, you were doing amazing. Um, So it was crazy. That workout is so much of what I love about CrossFit. Uh, One, it is... It is intense, right? And so it, it does put you in a dark place. It is, cha- it will challenge you, but it challenges us mentally and physically because you can move the sled. Yeah. It's going to be slow, and I like that. I like that you can't just like slam go juice for thirty seconds and like. To, I don't know. To me, that's not always a representation of fitness. It, like I like to see mental fortitude tested. Mm-hmm. Who can yeah. like hang on in a bad place? Um, and then Brian and I finishing, like, I was watching him in the, like, I didn't see him for a long time. And then he got up close to me and I was like, okay, I'm already in front of him. All I have to do is just never let his sled pass my sled and I beat him. That's all Mm -hmm. I need to do. I'm in second place. The giant Greek guy's already done. So he's on his own planet. (laughs) And and that's like, that was such an emotional win for me, even though I screwed up the end. I know that I beat him in that event. And so for me, it was like, I was in a one-on-one battle watching myself Mm-hmm. Like literally in charge sleds forward, and I just I didn't I didn't like quit or let him beat me, and so for me that was that was definitely like highlight of the week. That was a lot of fun and awful. Did you have a least favorite event? I mean the le- the the skill workout was the least favorite result for sure. It left the yeah. worst taste in my mouth. As far as like events, I didn't like. I I don't know that I hated it i mean the last event sucked a lot yeah i based on how you are as an athlete in your capacity like i i think if we get into generalized programming is one of the things i was very because i worked so much with josh i'm like hey like these time domains are great for josh and we didn't see a lot of those when we were there i think a lot of it has to do with there are nine different age groups men and women that's 180 athletes and then you also have adaptive and you're trying to run all of these people through right. and boz did an amazing boz did runs the games now yeah did an amazing job putting so much detail into his effort for programming um for the master's divisions which are not the individuals they're not the big show but he did it a great job and i think a lot of that comes down to understanding i have 180 plus athletes that i need to get through in three days yeah. and they did it um so the time domains were a lot shorter like the high super high power output events is not something that i would say josh is like big strength yeah so many of the events were like under 10 minutes yeah i went over 20 minutes and i didn't have a single event over 20 minutes 
Well, to Josh's defense, he was the only the person. The <laughs> Josh was the only person who actually finished event one under. Josh ran minutes. a five k, did twelve rope climbs and thirty shouldered overhead in under twenty yeah. minutes, yes. basically. The so. wild thing about the event one, everyone asked, is like, how hard was the? It was a twenty foot rope, which we like, we kind of just take that for granted. But we only do fifteen foot rope climbs mm -hmm. in, yeah. in every, pretty much gyms nationwide. Yeah. But I never really noticed a difference. I, I, it was really at, only one. Extra at pull. no point, yeah, it was it was a third pull for me yeah. every single time. Um, the crash pad was actually weirder, but I just took advantage of that and dropped from pretty high. Yeah, <laughs> now is it twenty pretty, plus the crash pad, or is it twenty? It's twenty from the crash from, pad. Yeah. From, okay, yeah. okay. Which also means you can't really you can't jump because you're yeah. you're gonna jump and the crash pad's just gonna just go down pushes and, down. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. So yeah, I guess I mean least favorite probably the final event. It was the shortest. It was the most just anaerobic power output and and it's like the end of the week yeah um and i was really tired uh, like emotionally and yeah. in my nervous system i didn't sleep great which is very out of character for me it's probably the only thing that really went wrong with my body for the week mm -hmm. the the night before the last day i woke up on the last day and i told chris i was like i didn't sleep great and that's really weird i don't mm -hmm. usually ever have that issue um and it just caught up to me by the end of the day yeah from a, you mentioned the programming side, not a lot of long time domain stuff. What else did you feel like wasn't really tested as, as you would have expected? Yeah, there were some holes for me. I, I mean, I don't know how much they want the games to look like other years, but like the fact that there was essentially zero rig work was pretty yeah. surprising to me. Like we didn't do any toe to bar, we didn't do any kipping pull-ups, we didn't do any bar muscle-ups, which we did ring muscle-ups, so I could see that yeah. being a trade-off. But in the course of eight events, to pretty much not use a rig uh, was really surprising to me. Um, yeah, you did a one rep max weighted pull up and, that eight, was it, and, yeah. and 20 ring muscle ups, but uh, everybody in the field except for one person did those ring muscle ups unbroken. Yeah. So there wasn't really testing the volume. So it was capacity more just, really, so yeah, and I guess a little broader away from movements. I don't feel like we did hardly anything to test anyone's capacity in yeah. terms of volume. Strength capacity, we did test some strength. Yeah. Um, and I liked that it was unique strength. I liked that we did front squat and I thought a weighted strict pull up was cool. Like, you know, that's a cool thing yeah. and unique yeah. thing to test. But it did feel like there was a lot left unexplored. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of upper body pulling. I mean, like, even with the, with the ring muscle ups, you could argue that's pulling, but at at their level, that's more of a pushing capacity. That's tricep fatigue and shoulder fatigue that's going to set in, maybe a little bit of midline with the kip. So really the main pulling that was tested was, you could say the rope climb, but those weren't legless. Um, yeah. And, and you look at you pushing, like to counter that, we did push press, our shoulder to overhead on shoulder the dumbbells, into handstand push-ups, push into handstand walk, into muscle-ups. Mm -hmm. You know, just, I don't know, it felt like there was a lot of, like I remember the only thing that really felt sore at any point to me was my triceps. Yeah. I was like, dude, my actual yeah. of all things, like the triceps are sore. But but also, I mean, this year, if, if you do follow CrossFit, like Dave Castro has programmed the games historically for 15 years. And this year is the first year that we've had somebody different. I don't know if Dave used to program masters or not. I don't think he did. I think somebody else did. Mm -hmm. um, but this is the first year that we've had a new programmer. Mm -hmm. So in, in the long scheme, if you're looking at, you know, being competitive in the sport those are things that are super important to look at you know we talked a bit about it before the games because i was trying to do my job and do as much research as possible i watched as many podcasts as i could with boz on there and you pretty we, much guessed the, the an individual yeah p, I, p bar event yeah 
Um, the press to handstand. The press to handstand, some of the yeah. other gymnastics, but I mean. He dropped a lot of clues. He did, yeah, he did. So I, I also, so I think you have to learn those things about who's programming yeah. as well. And, and that's more of a very sport specific side of it is understanding what are their favorite things. And you start to see trends and then you can train for those. Yeah. Um, but in general, I thought, I, thought it was a good, I thought it was a good test. I thought it was well balanced. And I think considering the environment that the games are yeah. and how many athletes need to move through how many events, um, I, I, I thought it was a really good I think test. So in summary of it, it's like good is better than perfect. Yeah. And he has so many moving parts. And I think, I think it was great. I mean, yeah. in no way did that affect what the future of CrossFit is for me, like no. the games programming. It would have to yeah. be really horrible for me to be like, to change, to be like, I hate CrossFit now. Someone would have to really blow it. Is there anything, or maybe there's a few things, or maybe there's nothing that the person at home has never been at the games before, you know, they only got to see some portion of the events that you did and, and not even all of them. Like what would the home observer, the everyday member, what would they miss or what would they not understand? Is there anything that comes to mind that we haven't talked about already? At the games specifically? Yeah, just in general, like maybe about how it's run or um, what you guys go through or how the event okay, is. Yeah. I think in terms, in general, I think the amount of work required to go. Like truly, that may sound cliche. Yeah. I think the dedication, sacrifices, and like actual literal time hours spent preparing, I think that is either unknown or vastly underestimated. I, I don't even think, I don't even think the average CrossFitter has a clue. Um, yeah. As someone who's owned a gym and, you know, I've been now coaching at this gym and I've been in the, like, in the world for a decade, I can, I can like, I can't count on my hands how many people have walked up to me like, hey, I want to join the gym, I want to go to the CrossFit Games. Mm. And it's like, that would be like going to sign up for a Gus Macker tournament and saying that you're going to go to the NBA. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know how else to put that into like yeah. a general perspective. Like, hey, I signed up my boy for T-ball so he can go to the MLB. He could go to the MLB yeah. if you keep him in T-ball for 10 more years and do general strength and conditioning and keep him injury-free and he eats right and he sleeps. But it's well, like, what's, what's most interesting to me about that in CrossFit is you'll often hear it from someone who's like 25 or 30 years old. Right. You uh, need to be 15. Yeah. Or, or younger yeah. now. Yeah. It's, it's wild. I think that's probably the biggest thing. And then I think a little more like juicy fun behind the scenes is like the environment in Athlete Village. Um, and of course, it's different with every athlete, but like... So before we're going out onto the field to see, to be seen, I guess, mm -hmm. I, I guess I should say, there's like a large uh, conference center hall, you know, area that they just basically create a CrossFit gym. Mm -hmm. There's like a rig on each wall. There's like 60 ergs. There's just platforms everywhere. And all of the athletes are in there together. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're like competition your biggest competition is next to you people you don't like are next to you people that you love are next to you and you're just you're warming up and working out and it's i think it's pretty interesting like you're most athletes are used to being like top dog wherever they go if you're a games athlete like you're never going to be rivaled in a gym mm -hmm. and then you go to the games and it's like you could be someone is the least fit person there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a wild thing to think about but like yeah. somebody has to take last at the crossfit games and like you're so fit and you're so much better than everyone else in the world at CrossFit or anything to do with fitness, but like you're still the weakest link at the CrossFit games. And so yeah. I think it can be a bit of like a, 
a challenge for some people's ego to be in that environment, you know? Yeah, I mean, that one guy, the guy that looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger that was in your division, yeah. literally had, yeah. like, half of his events he won, literally yes, took first, first place, place, and then half his events he was last. Yeah. yeah. And that's got, I mean, that's got to be tough, you know, on a roller coaster for him. I can't imagine that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was great. He was a funny guy. But, I mean, like, to your point, like, uh, if you if you fall across it, Pat Sherwood, who is an analyst, once said, he goes, you have no idea how good you have to be to be really bad at the CrossFit yeah, to games. Suck at the right? game. To yeah. suck at you the CrossFit games. You have to be amazing. <laughs> it's the like, same with every sport, and we all take it for granted. Like when you're watching NFL on Sunday, you, you watch you're like, the this Olympics, guy's a yeah. bum. You're like, you know how good? Like, yeah. You, watch, how good you, have to you be? watch the Olympics, and the guy yeah. gets last in 100 meters, and he's... You ran a sub 10 minute or 10 <laughs> second on nine. Like, yeah, like, exactly. Like, yeah, that guy's a bum. Like, whatever. I, I actually think the standard is almost higher in CrossFit in the sense that when you hear, you hear the way people talk about like Tom Brady's routine or LeBron James' routine of how, what they've had to do to stay at their level for so long, I don't, pretty much every high level CrossFit athlete that I see has a routine that rivals those guys yeah I would in agree. terms of not just their training but how they address all aspects of their lifestyle yeah. from nutrition to sleep to stress and i i think that it really is the tip of the spear of that approach and the dedication required to be good at it and that's not necessarily true for all sports there are plenty of people yes. that are yeah. top 10 in their sport that yeah they practice hard they do things but they really aren't dedicated 24 7 like mm -hmm. i see you know, Josh was. Yeah. That I I think that's with the amount of volume that is needed and required to be one of the best in the world, you have to do those things. Yeah. And what's interesting is like the things that Josh does incredibly well as far as his time management and his dedication and all of that, the majority of that is actually outside of the gym. Yeah. Like it's sleeping, it's eating, it's tracking your food, it's like it's all of those things managing your extra stress that's going on and it's actually things that we have really tried to start talking to our members and obviously you don't need to do it to the level of dedication mm -hmm. that josh is doing it but those little things make the biggest difference in it's where you how get better it's where you get better you know we talk about the other 23 hours like right? for josh doesn't have that many hours <laughs> no, because that's, he, that's cause he uses like six to eight in the gym <laughs> yeah that's a good point like so even from even for me in peak season if i'm in the gym for six hours that's still 19 hours i'm not in the gym 17. 17. 17. <laughs> Wait, no. 18. Sorry. I was thinking, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. 19 to 5 is what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, but, then you're but then you're sleeping nine of those hours. So it's like, yeah. and that's like, that's that dedication. Like, and you, and you before semifinals, I mean, you're opening the gym too, like also. Yeah. yeah. So like you're waking up at four o'clock in the morning. So you're dedicating yourself to, I'm going to bed at seven so that I can get enough, which is crazy to yeah. think about. But like, that's, I think that's the side of things that I think people don't see. You know, that, that, that is really important that everybody can take away from it and learn. Is yeah. like, those little things are what make the best the best. And it has to be treated like a full-time profession more so than a lot of other athletes. You have to pretty much be a little bit like obsessive. Mm -hmm. There's really not any balance. And other sports that maybe don't require that, the best do that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've, I mean, everyone has watched The Last Dance with Michael mm -hmm. Jordan, and there are a lot of great basketball players that will play in the NBA, but what's make, what makes Jordan so good is like, that he's not, he does not live a balanced life. He, yeah. He's obsessed. Rich Froning does not live a balanced life. Matt Fraser did not live a balanced life. Yeah. They're obsessed. 
Yeah, and that's why you see so many of them retire yeah, when they're still in their prime. Insane because of how imbalances. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's some dangers with like you know putting those people on a pedestal. I, I think that their dedication is amazing, but like that is not a sustainable life. Mm. Um, and those people are making a lot of money to do what they're doing, yeah. and most people are not. It's yeah. not. I mean, it's not healthy. Like Josh's day now is very different than it was before the mm-hmm. games. And I think that's really important for everybody to hear. And like it's something that Josh and I talked about. Everybody's like, "Oh, Josh, are you going to compete again? Are you going to compete again? You know, are you going for it next year?" And we talked, and we were like, "What I my advice? It doesn't mean Josh has to take it. Was don't make any decision for a month. Like, don't even think about it because you're coming off such a roller coaster of emotions. You don't know what decision you're going to make. So Josh's training now is health focused, like yep. mentally mm-hmm. and physically. Josh wants to feel." good does josh feel good on a tuesday morning after having done all the volume he did on monday in his training up to the games no like his body was beat up but he needed to do that in order to receive this certain adaptation so that he could perform at the games so what i'm trying to say is like take rest days like that's what you're doing like work in different cycles do things that are fun you know get outside take like let your body recover you don't have to come into the gym every day and send it to your full capacity because that's not great for your body. You know, we want people to be healthy. We want people to live long, fun lives outside the gym. We don't you leave the gym and be like, oh, I can't go for that walk, but you know, I deadlifted so much, you know, that's not what we want. And I think what's great is like, Josh is a great example of that. If you follow him on Instagram, Josh is going for, now that you're closing the gym a lot, you go for a walk with Jess like every morning for like three miles. Either and a ruck or like an easy aerobic morning piece. Yeah. I try to be outside for like 60 to 90 minutes. Yeah. And I think that's like, like what's what I love about Josh is he really embodies all of this stuff, whether it's the CrossFit Games and being an elite athlete in the world, or just being like what you would want from a member in your gym. Like Josh lives that life. And I think that you can learn a lot from that transition that he's taking from being Thanks, super man. high volume. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> you're slipping that five. No, <laughs> right. But you can learn a lot from taking all of that volume and then, you know, Hey, like my body doesn't need that mentally, emotionally, or physically and being able to transfer that into like a change and work within different cycles, you know, whether that's a lifting cycle, Olympic cycle, or just like a mental health sleep cycle. You know? Yeah. I think one of the coolest things is like you spend the whole year as an athlete working on things you're bad at. Yeah. which is like that's a that's a blow to your ego man you're just mm-hmm. constantly doing stuff you don't like mm-hmm. and like so now this is the time you're like i have to do everything i like to do and that doesn't mean i'll avoid everything i don't love but like this is not the time for me to try to get better yeah like at my performance it's to like get better like self-care yeah so i'm still gonna ask the question so um <laughs> are i want to hear are you do you feel like you're satisfied with the result with the competition as a whole and then you know, will you compete again? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I really did take a pretty similar thought approach to Chris. Like, if you put a gun to my head, you know, in the last week, I would say no. Mm-hmm. If that was like, I had to make the decision right then, right now, on the spot, do I want to do that again? And my answer would be no, I don't want to do it again. Um, but I also know what I'm coming off of, and I feel like I have the competitive maturity to know it's not the time to ask that. And like last year, I didn't. I didn't really have games aspirations until probably January or February. It was really like when I got here and it was after Wadapalooza. And even then it wasn't really until like quarterfinals that I thought I actually mm-hmm. had a shot at the games. Like the open, I think you guys were both here. Like it, it didn't feel stressful to me. Like we were just mm-hmm. having a good time and working out. Um, 
So I also like logged that. I, I don't need to know what I want to do until, you know, probably it'd be great if I knew by like October, yeah. but even by January, mm. like I'm going to be able to get myself a semifinals and have a fighting chance. And I've thought about a lot of different situations. Like, do I want to go individual and go master, try to go for the games again? Do I want to go individual in the open class and go to a semi, try to go to a semifinal in person and just see Mm-hmm. At 36, like, where can I work out with all these kids? Um, which should have a very different result. I'm not going to go to the games and finish fourth in that <laughs> class. And it'd be more about the journey. Um, does a team present itself? You know, I don't, I don't know. So I, I definitely am more, though, this year having done it. You know, I guess I, I'm the kind of person that has to do to learn. And I definitely have a little better perspective now of, like, the required sacrifices, not only for myself, but for, like, the people around me. You know, coaches have to pick up shifts for me. We had to move the schedule around, so I wasn't opening, like, coming up to the games. My wife has to, like, basically blow off six months of her life. Like, we're not going on date nights. I'm leading up to the games, like, I'm cutting out dairy. I'm not eating raw fish because I don't want to get sick. Like, I want something crazy and weird to happen. Uh, cut out alcohol for, like, five months. And so it's just, like, what I'm doing is very selfish, it makes other people around it pretty much the whole nucleus of my life feels to some degree what I'm doing. And I just don't know how much longer I want to be that selfish. Well said, man. All right. We'll wrap up on that. Um, thank you for taking the time and doing this. This was super fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed time. this and, uh, congrats, man. It was so cool to watch you compete Thanks, and man. take forth and win that first event. It was, it was really fun. So, Thanks. uh, Yeah, thanks you guys for listening. We'll see you in the next one.